You're listening to audio from First Christian Church. To find out more about us or to donate to our ministries, visit firstabq.org. Good morning, everyone. Glad that you are all here. I'm glad that we are all here together. Uh, Whether you're joining us in person, whether you are visiting with us online, we're just glad to be here in this space to worship together. So welcome to FIRST. So as I was thinking this week, um, one of the things that I find, I just find it fascinating, really interesting, and sometimes frustrating, is that when we think about Scripture, the the sheer universality, which I hope I said that right, um, of it is fascinating. The ways in which we can read stories from thousands of years ago to different cultures, different contexts, different people, different social structures, societal structures, the way that we read them now and can understand and relate to the people who they were written to back then, right? At least maybe this is just me, but the way I think about it, it is, it's fascinating. And then on top of that, is Scripture not only just gives us an idea of what those situations were, what those circumstances were, but Scripture speaks truth to those situations, Scripture allows us to find relevancy and understand and relate with these people and speak truth to these situations that we also experience. And then on top of that, the craziest part of all, to me at least, is that we read these stories and sometimes we read these solutions to these problems, to these issues, to whatever is going on in people's lives. We read these things and then we still struggle to grasp them. We still struggle to deal with these problems. And it's kind of like we're on, you know, this repeat cycle over and over again. We read these stories and you're like, yeah, that was bad. They should never do that again. And then the next day we turn and we do the same thing that they did all over again. Maybe it's just me, but I find this really interesting. Sometimes it's not always bad. It's just really interesting. Oh, they thought like that back then too. We still think like that now. Sometimes it's really frustrating to think about why can't we just get it? but then look in the mirror and say, why can't I just get it, right? It seems clear as day in one passage or one story, but then we turn around and we do very similar things, if not the same exact things. And so in the passage that we're going to read today from 1 Timothy, I think is one of these types of situations. So if you will stand with me for the reading of God's word from 1 Timothy chapter 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who, while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession... I charge you to keep this commandment without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. 
God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and gives, who lives in an unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. Command those who are rich in this present, in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they will take hold of the life that is truly life. The word of the Lord. You guys may be seated. So, there's a lot to unpack here, right? And so Paul here is writing to his young apprentice, Timothy, who is getting ready to go out into his own ministry journey to be able to continue to speak to churches, to preach, to teach, to offer guidance and ministry to these churches. Um, But Paul writing here gives a lot of really good advice. But as I was reading through this and thinking about it, um, you guys know, like there's like, like the cardinal rule, there's like three things that you shouldn't talk about in like mixed company or at family dinners, like anything. Like, you guys might have to help me out with some of this. But so the first one would be religion, right? Not supposed to talk about that in mixed company. Second one is politics, right? And the third one is what? Money, finances, stuff like that, right? Um, I think Paul breaks all three of these rules just in this passage right here. Um, and as I was thinking about it, I think Paul would make a terrible dinner guest or a really, really interesting dinner guest, however way you want to phrase it. But like Paul, I guarantee, well, maybe not guarantee, but I think, I like to think that Paul would go be invited to dinner at someone's house and like on his agenda, his first three things that he would want to bring up. Okay. What do these people believe? What are these people doing? What do they care about? What are they passionate about? And how do they spend their money? would, I think, kind of be like Paul's top three things, like right when he comes in the door, right? Breaking all of these like polite manners and everything like that. He's just like, I want to get down to what these people are really about, right? At least that's the way I think. I think, I think he'd be a really interesting dinner guest, honestly. It would, it would definitely be, good time might not be the right word, but it would be, it would be interesting to see how this played out at a large dinner gathering. Anyways, so Paul's writing to Timothy here, giving him, him these instructions for what it looks like to lead a life in ministry and what it means to guide these people who are coming into, into houses, into small buildings, stuff like that, who are meeting together, who came from various backgrounds, right? As Brady's been talking about Romans and talking about some of the issues that are being dealt with as Paul's writing Romans, writing to the church in Rome, um, you got to think of all of the, the Jewish people who are coming into this and they're, you know, maybe a little tentative, maybe a little bit like, you know, you better say the right things or I'm not going to be very happy. You have the Gentiles who are coming in who might not really know what to believe, who might have a very, very diverse background when it comes to religious beliefs, maybe a lot of different religious beliefs and understanding of how the world works and their place in it. Um, a lot of disparity in um, wealthy, non-wealthy people coming in to meet together, right? There might be some, and there might be some controversy, some um, conflict because of that too, right? You've got to think of all of these people meeting together to talk about Jesus, to learn about Jesus, which, like I said, is not that different 
from how we exist today, right? Especially in a city like Albuquerque, there are so many different people from different backgrounds, different understandings, different, um, just different lifestyles, different things that exist here, but coming together to meet and learn about Jesus. Or maybe just be curious about what Jesus has to offer. But this is where we're at, right? Paul and Timothy trying to understand, okay, how are we gonna reach these people? How are we gonna connect with these people? But the wisdom and advice that is given here and the focus on what the root is, right? Because it's no secret. There's not a lot of secrets here, but money can be a really tricky thing, right? Money can also be a very interesting thing. It can be useful, but it can be tricky. But Paul is talking about here, it can also be very harmful. And Paul understood it back then, just as like we understand it now. It should be no secret that, especially in our country and in our world, money is pretty high up there on the totem pole, right? On the priority list, on the things that people are wanting, money's pretty high up there, right? So like I said, it can be useful. It can be helpful in certain, certain circumstances, and it's also no secret. We need money for food, for clothes, for shelter, to survive, right? But Paul talking about here, talking about especially the diversity that he might see in a congregation, especially the wealth diversity that he might see in any given congregation living in the Roman Empire, is that it can be really tricky. There are probably a lot of people coming into church doors, coming into homes, whose number one priority, whose top idol, the number one thing that they worship is money is money, is wealth, is riches, is material possessions. Paul wasn't beating around the bush on this one. He knows, and he speaks about it plainly, that money is the root of all evil. It is a great temptation that you need to be careful not to fall into. And you need to urge your followers not to fall into this temptation. And we should hear the same message today. Do not fall into this temptation. Be wary of this because it is the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith, have pierced themselves with many griefs. And as he says again in verse 17, command those who who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which can be so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us everything that we need. And at the core of everything, as Paul's finishing up this letter to Timothy, core of everything, he wants him to understand, urge these people not to put their hope in money or things, but to put their hope in God. Because there will be people that you encounter who are putting their hope in money, who are putting their hope in riches and wealth. Tell them to stop doing that. Put their hope in God. And as he continues on giving Timothy some personal advice, and the way that I kind of look at this is he's kind of giving him a two-way street or even more so the way that I understand this is he's giving Timothy to not just play defense, 
Right, we're going to do a little bit of sports terminology here. Um, not to just play defense, because that's part of it, is you need to be aware. You need to be aware of the temptation yourself so you don't fall into the, this idea of false teachers using their positions of power in order to manipulate people and gain wealth for themselves. You need to be wary of that. You need to be put your guard up for that, put your shield or barrier up for that. You need to encourage other people to do the same to not fall into this temptation, which I think that at least in my experience, Christians are pretty good at playing defense, you know, pretty good at putting walls up, putting boundaries up, stuff like that. But Paul also offers something on top of that. It says you don't just have to play defense, you get to play offense too, which in my personal experience, I always had more fun playing offense and defense than any type of sports or activity. That was more of my thing. Um, but Paul encouraged you get to play offense too. You flee from all of, all of these other things, all of this evil, this you know, pursuit of wealth, different things like that, you flee from all the wrong things, but you get to pursue righteousness and godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. You get to fight the good fight of the faith. You get to take hold of eternal life to which you were called when you made your confession. I said, I, pursuing these things, fighting the good fight, taking hold of, those are all offensive-oriented words, right? Those is, is a call to action for us, right? Not standing back and putting up our guard, but is a call to action, a call to offense that we get to take hold of these things. We get to understand this. We get to take hold of these things, and we get to take hold of how content we are with the things that God has blessed us with. We get to take hold of what we are grateful for, what we are thankful for. We get to take hold of our identity in which God has created us to be, in who God created us to be. We get to play offense, which to me sounds a little bit more fun than defense does, even though that one's important as well. But this is the call. Like I said, Paul puts it very plainly. We need to be content with God and God alone, because God is the only thing that is going to sustain us. We need to turn away from all of these other ways of life in which people are living. Turn away from all the things and point people in the right direction. Point people and help them understand that the only way to true satisfaction, true satiation, true fulfillment and contentment is through Christ and Christ alone. They said there are a lot of things on the peripherals. There were back then, there still are now. The way there are advertisements that are clamoring to get your money, to get your attention, to get you to invest in them, to spend your time in them. Paul says, no, block all of this out and focus on God. Which is a lot easier said than done, right? But this is still the call. Is the way that I've read it and understood it in several different youth ministry, ministry books in general, um, there's always a section on budgeting, finances, the importance of those different things. But what it always comes back to is in order to gain a good understanding of what your, what your youth ministry or what your church values is to look at what the budget is, look at how much you spent in different areas. It's going to give you a really good indicator of what your values really are. 
as a congregation. And this is even on a personal level. Look at your finances and see, okay, what am I spending the most money on? That's going to tell you what you value the most highly. It's relatively simple, at least. But for youth ministry things, one of the things that we have done over the course of the past year when we um, were looking at budgets, different things like that, uh, one of the areas that we spend, not the most, but quite a bit of money on, is donuts. Which sounds kind of silly, right? Maybe a little bit. But it was an intentional decision, is that every single Sunday morning, we as a youth group, we sit around a table and we eat donuts together. Right, Luke? Luke's like pumping his fist. He's like, yeah, donuts, yeah. But it's, it's so simple that food brings us together. For us to sit there, eat donuts, drink coffee or tea, and talk about Jesus, talk about what's going on in our lives, and talk about Jesus, talk about how Jesus speaks directly to the things that we are going through, that's all it takes. The simplicity of that. We're not doing a full spread, you know, breakfast. There's not like a little gravy fountain or like pancakes and like, you know, little pancake dispensers they have at hotels. And there's not any of that as much as I wish there would be sometimes. But it's just donuts and coffee. And we're sitting and talking about Jesus. We're talking about what God is doing in our lives. We're talking about what we hope that God is doing in our lives and talk about where God is leading us every single week. And it's a good time, right? At least I hope, by Luke's like fist pump, right? That we get to have donuts together, and it is a blessing to be able to do that. It's the simplest things, right? Sometimes we overcomplicate things, but Paul, this draws us back to what our real focus is on. It's not about all the lights and smoke and all this, you know, cool stuff. It's about following Jesus, because Paul's telling Timothy here, there's going to be a lot of things that you encounter. There are going to be a lot of different types of people that you run in with. There's going to be all sorts of stuff going on with the, you know, Paul embraces understanding what the political climate was, what the religious climate was, how people were handling their money and finding what people were giving, giving their money to or using their money on. Paul understood all of that and embraced it, but said none of that matters nearly as much as what you were actually putting your faith in, which isn't money, it's Jesus. You have to brush everything else to the side and focus on God. And the cool part of that is that we have the same charge. We have the same challenge to us to put everything else aside and focus on Jesus. Focus on who we are being called to be, what we are being called to be in order to use our gifts that God has blessed us with. To be content with what we have. Because like I said, it's another thing that sounds really easy. But it's another way, at least I know personally that I've done, is you have your little finish line in your head, right? Like, okay, I'm just going to do this one thing. I'm going to hit this one, you know, this one mark. And as soon as I get there and check it off, then I'm good. I'll be content once I get to this thing. And then you get to that thing, and what happens? You can kind of see the next one in the distance. You said, well, that one sounds pretty good too. So once I hit that one, once I make that much money, once I have this as my job title, once I have this as my education, my degree, or whatever it is, then I can slow down. Then, I can, then I'll be fine, God, I promise, I'll be okay. And then you get there, and it's, you know, so on and so forth, right? Is that as humans, the, human, the humans that Paul was discussing then, the humans that we are and that we talk to and interact with now, it's the same thing. 
it's so hard to be content with what we have. There's always something else that is going to be shinier and newer or more appealing or sound better out there. Always. But we can take a step back from that. Understand that that will never give us the satisfaction that we truly desire, that we truly want. That the only way to achieve that is by following Jesus with our entire minds, bodies, and souls. To focus solely on God is the challenge. There's a lot out there that tells us different. But Paul speaks this truth thousands of years ago, but still does hold true. Focus only on God, our one true Lord and Savior, and you will be satisfied. You will be content. And it is a blessing to feel content and grateful and thankful for the things that we already have, who we have already been made to be by God. So that's our challenge. Will you guys pray with me? God, we're thankful for this time together. We are thankful for this community because this is something that you have blessed us with. This is something we want to be thankful for, that we want to just relish in how you have created all of us to be here together to worship you. God, and we pray as we leave from here that we can keep this in mind, that we can keep this at the top of our hearts and just continually remember it. Remember you in every single thing that we do, every place that we go, every person we come in contact with, everything that we do, God. We want those people, and we want to continuously be reminded of who you are, that you will never leave us, forsake us, and that you are all we need. And we are so thankful for that opportunity, and we are so thankful for your son. It's in his holy name that we pray all these things. Amen. Amen.